Everybody, Jim Minnery here on I'm Glad You Said That. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we're in the middle of January, January 18th, and uh, um, used to be uh, when my mom was alive, December 21st was her favorite day of the year, as I'm sure it is for many of you, in that we start gaining sun uh, and daylight, not necessarily sun, but daylight, Every day, so it's a good time in terms of uh, gaining sunlight and daylight, and uh, we've got over the the hump, I guess. But uh, very glad that you could tune in today. My guest today is Joel Davidson. He is the pub or the uh, the editor of the Alaska Watchman. He was longtime editor at the Catholic Anchor, and uh, became. Uh, a little frustrated, I would say, with with some of the ways that the uh, the archdiocese was trying to um, capture him and not allow him to uh, to to write on certain issues. And I believe that the issues that he was so good at writing on at the Catholic Anchor uh, were the most important issues. And so I think that's. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why the Alaska Watchman is thriving right now is because he deals with uh, hot button issues that are the core of what we do here at Alaska Family Council and Alaska Family Action, which are religious liberty, parental rights, and the sanctity of life, marriage, traditional biblical marriage. And Joel is just an exceptional writer, and what a blessing to have him in our community and in our state. If you haven't signed up already, go to Alaska Watchmen and do so. If you're a business owner, you should uh, subscribe and be a part of his uh, his team, really, because he needs advertisers, he needs uh, subscribers, he needs people to just spread the word so that good stuff can continue to come out of the Alaska Watchmen. So stick around. We'll have uh, three good segments with uh, Joel Davidson at the Alaska Watchmen. Talk a little bit about some of the changing dynamics um, that are happening in our state regarding uh, political uh, identification and political um, leanings. Uh, interesting uh, conversation about what's happening national and what's what's uh, happening local, and, and there's a tie-in. Um, but we do have a legislative session starting tomorrow, I believe. Uh, or actually, um, let's see, I'm recording this a day ahead of time. So anyway, we're just right at the beginning of the legislative session. And a lot of things uh, have been introduced. Who knows what's going to actually be heard in terms of these bills. And, you know, Senator Shower and uh, Senator Shelley Hughes, even Senator Myers, all three of the senators who are in the conservative uh, minority um, I don't even think they call it a minority. I interviewed Senator Meyer last uh, session or last show, and uh, there have been uh, minority groups in the Senate that are that small. But it, it it really is a challenge because you know she was the Senate Majority Leader last year, Shelley Hughes, and so for her to now all of a sudden have absolutely no power because she simply wanted to organize as Republicans. You know, there's something to be said about about bipartisanship and and coming together on issues that unite us um, rather than divide us. But 
but I just don't see that happening, especially down in, in Juneau in terms of the PFD and the budget. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, the individual that took um, the Senate seat for uh, what was uh, Peter Machicki is, um, you know, an individual, individual Jesse Bjorkman, who I would say is conservative leaning, certainly. I don't know him that well at all. Um, but Senator David Wilson and Senator uh, Jesse uh, Bjorkman are um, have made made the decision, obviously, as as did Senator um, Kelly Merrick, uh, to join with the majority uh, in the Senate to form a um, you know a, a caucus that is going to be very difficult for us to work with because they're going to be. Uh, preventing any of our bills from from advancing and we probably in my sense more than likely will have to oppose some things because whenever there is this agreement handshake agreement between the democrats and the republicans that's what happens is the democrats say don't talk about abortion don't talk about lgbt stuff but we're going to advance our stuff Um, so it's a it's a complete sorry for the dog in the background that's nilla and she's seeing i think maybe somebody getting into the uh, chicken coop. Who knows? Um, anyway, uh, the um, the House still hasn't divided yet either. Uh, Nilla, come. Um, the, the House still hasn't, I'm sorry, the House still hasn't um, organized yet. And our hope is that that will happen. Sorry for that pause. I had to let the dog out to go chase the whatever animals getting into the chicken coop. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the House has not uh, has not managed to organize themselves, despite also having a majority um, of Republicans that were elected, and so that's that's a frustrating thing. Um, there's been some uh, bills also introduced by some of the conservative members um, of the uh, of the Alaska House, and I don't know if we're going to be able to uh, get to a place where they can. Uh, you know, have regular hearings on our issues like they have in the past. It's frustrating. There's no doubt that it's frustrating as an organization. We do everything we can to identify the conservatives, get them elected, and then try to get conservative pro-family, pro-life legislation passed. But when they're down there now, and you know, the quote from from the leadership, at least in the Senate side, is we're not going to talk about those issues. Um, and it's just it just seems. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem very democratic, to be honest, because we we know that the PFD and the budget are unbelievably con, uh, contentious and controversial. And I think that we should, you know, Gary Stevens and Burt Stedman and Click Bishop and some of the others, um, you know, they, they've agreed to say we're not going to talk about this stuff. But uh, I think the, the public deserves to know where they stand on some of these issues. So I, I don't know how we do that um, within the Senate. Certainly we'll be able to make some moves. Um, in the House if they organize accordingly. Uh, We're very um, pleased that Governor Dunleavy um, seems to be, um, you know, a little bit more assertive and and ready to to charge, this being his second term, and and we'll do our part to to see if we can link arms with um, the Dunleavy administration and, and move some things down the path. Um, we can. We know for a fact. In fact, that's one of the things that I, I want to talk to talk to Joel about. Is that Planned Parenthood is holding a series of upcoming legislative planning sessions throughout the state uh, to mobilize their pro-abortion allies uh, for what they see as an opportunity to maintain or expand access to abortion 
Um, and you know, the, uh, the fact is that, uh, they're, they're never going to stop and we aren't either. And the truth is going to keep marching, but we'll see if we can eventually get to a place where we can get uh, a majority again in, in either chamber and, and advance something. There's a lot that we can do as an organization, as a culture, that's not uh, necessarily dependent on who is in the majority. And we'll be uh, introducing some of those strategies in the coming weeks and months to kind of give you an idea of what we're uh, doing to pivot because this has been a recurring theme in the legislature and a frustrating one at that in terms of, you know, the, the U.S. House for a while there emulated Alaska in terms of not being able to organize. But uh, so the, the, the rest of the United States got a taste of it. But we've been doing that for a long time up here, unfortunately. And, and so we have to be able to continue to advance truth in the public marketplace of ideas. And we can do that uh, with your help. So stick around, folks. Um, we will have our conversation with Joel Davidson, the Alaska Watchman, right after this first break. And I'm glad you said that. You said that. Super glad to have my buddy Joel Davidson from the Alaska Watchman on the show today. Joel, uh, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, I'm glad that we're getting a little more light right now, and uh, I won't be leaving the state this year, so I'm I'm kind of buckling down for uh, January and February. Uh, you are, uh, yeah, I think you guys were, um, your wife was telling me you guys went back somewhere. Um someplace warm, but uh, I, I, I'm blessed to be able to head over to Maui here in a little while for a, a brief uh, a brief vacay with the fam, and I'm definitely looking forward to that, but yeah, the light, it's getting lighter. It's hard to comprehend. It's like one of those things where it teases you. It's getting a little bit lighter, and you get excited, then it just gets frigid in February and March, and you're like, oh my gosh, locked down for a long, another part of the last bit of winter, but um You've been up here. I should. I don't know if I've ever asked this, Joel. You've been up here your whole life. Did uh, when did your parents get up here? No, I, we moved. My mom and dad moved me and my three younger brothers up to Alaska when I was seven years old, and that was uh, 1983. We drove up uh, in a trailer with the dog and all the family belongings from uh, Austin, Texas, uh, to Anchorage, and then uh, spent a year in Anchorage, and the rest of my life has been out in the valley. Wow. Okay. So your parents are from, I mean, are both your parents from, uh, from Austin or from Texas area? No, my dad was born on Kodiak Island and, uh, my mom is from Washington. They met down in Texas after college. They both were down there. So, but my dad did not want to raise us in the suburbs of Austin back in the early 1980s, which was probably a good call seeing where Austin, how, how Austin has developed over the years. He wanted oh to raise gosh. us up here in the valley with some land so we could run around and build forts and hunt grouse and stuff. <laughs> Folks, if you don't know now, I'm talking with my good buddy, Joel Davidson. He's the uh, the editor and uh, chief of everything over at the uh, Alaska Watchmen. We're so blessed to have the Alaska Watchmen. If you haven't gone over there and signed up or advertised with them, um, they're they're uh, just a top-notch organization that uh, covers the um, the news from a Judeo-Christian perspective. I liked your article today 
think it was today, uh, Joel, on or yesterday on what the Watchman is and what it is not, because there's certainly a lot of just um, news out there to to rile up folks for no good reason other than just to, for gossiping and that kind of thing. But we 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 are aligned on on almost everything, if not everything, and there's a purpose for what we all do. And what you guys are doing right now is just so critical. I I know that um, it filled a gap that was certainly missing in the state. And um, you know, we were just talking about this off air where it could be frustrating and a little bit of a challenge for those of us who are in this public marketplace of ideas to balance what we see. Um, going on in the culture and in our, in our politics and our education, um, public education system and, and even in corporate world and, of course, media and, and all that. But um, there's good stuff. There's many, there are many good things that are happening in our state and, and across the country that are still worthy of, um, you know, our, of us being gratitude, you know, being grateful for and little tiny things that happen every day in our own lives and in the bigger things in in the culture. But we have to also talk about these things that are, um, that are pressing down on us as, uh, as believers in Christ and believers in eternal truth that doesn't change. And, um, you know, would you say after all, these, you've been around for three years now, a little over three years, and you know, in my view, it's been you know uh, an unmitigated absolute success, uh, and everything that I had hoped it, to, it was going to be is what it is in terms of what you guys have produced and just continue to to do exemplary work. Is your view now that you've uh, gone through three years that it's what you wanted it to be at this stage? Uh, you know, are you are you worn out? Are you motivated, animated? Uh, what's your view right now on this and 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 the uh, where you've gotten to and where you see it going in the next uh, three to five years? Well, I think our work is pretty much done. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, the uh, go to Maui. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a uh, it is sort of what I expected it would be. Um, you know. I, 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 when we started, we did not know that there was going to be, I'd never heard of the word COVID before. I didn't know that there was 19 coronaviruses out there and they're all related to the cold. I had, none of that. I didn't know anything about that. We, we started because we looked out across the landscape of Alaska and noticed that a lot of the problems that the nation faces and that the world faces are playing out right here in our, in our towns and, um, in our cities, in the villages. Uh, the same same thing. You can't get away from it. Um, and so we decided we wanted to launch something that could focus on Alaska, let you know, focus on local lawmakers and city council members and school board members and nonprofits and you know educational libraries. These places that are in our neighborhoods. We wanted to focus on a place where we could actually make a difference. And that's part of what that editorial is about today. Is that you know, a lot of news, when you read national news, and there are great national news sites, when you read them, though, you just, uh, your blood boils and you don't know what to do about it. There really isn't anything for you personally to do about it living up here in Alaska or living out in the villages or uh, you, there just isn't anything you can do about what's happening in California or, or, or D.C. Um, and so we wanted to create a news site where you could read about something that was happening in your neighborhood or maybe just the town next door that or your borough. Um, and um, 
and, or your local school or library where you can actually go and hold people accountable or take other actions like start your own school um, or start your own library or uh, elect somebody else to represent you in Juneau. Um, but, but the goal was really to just empower people with, uh, with actionable news, not just entertainment, not gossip, not something just to sit down and read and um, pontificate around, you know, with your wife or your friends, uh, but, but to actually get out and do something with the news because there's just so much. I mean, news, in my view, the news should not be sheer entertainment. It should be, it, it can be entertaining, but it shouldn't be, that's not the, the fundamental goal of it. And the goal specifically of the Watchmen, uh, you know, because we don't cover uh, sports and entertainment that much. Occasionally we will if there's a great story that has to do with the culture and maybe some somebody who's living a heroic type of a life. But generally speaking, we're covering news that deals with the three bedrock things in my mind of, of culture, which is first your family, because that's your largest and your most important sphere of influence, and then your your faith community, and then your local community. Uh, and that local community expands out from the neighborhood to the, to the city, to the borough, to the state. And, and, and that's sort of the, you know, if, if there's a bullseye, it starts with, with uh, the family and the faith, and then it goes out from there. And, and those spheres of influence, I, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people understand the importance of being a parent and being a member of your faith community and, and being a member of your community at large, but um, but those are areas where we have a profound impact, and um, especially as parents, uh, the first teachers of the next generation of Americans and of Alaskans. Uh, and, and that duty... Well, it might seem small in the sense that it's the sphere is more limited. It's powerful, and uh, and and it has a ricochet effect that ripples out um, from the home into the community. And I, I, that, that's one of the things we try to uh, focus on too. And then, and, and and with that comes a duty to kind of you know protect these kids and and and, uh, and show them the light and keep the darkness from them. And um, yeah, so that that's. That's the goal, and obviously we've been doing this for three years, and we've had a lot of battles. Uh, we've had a, there's a lot of dark forces, you could say, in, in the state. A lot of ideologies and political movements and stuff that attack family and, and faith, um, and uh, and just personal liberties. Um, so it, it almost seems sometimes like it's an, it's a never ending. Fight, and, yeah. and that we're sort of gradually retreating as we go along. We're giving up this area, and then we're giving up that area. It can, it can seem that way, and uh, and in some ways it is that way. Um, but the, the 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 hope that I have is that there's there is a core uh, there is a core contingency of Alaskans who uh, w- are willing to draw the line and say this is as far as it goes. What the consequences will be for me to stand up for, for what I believe, um, I'm not sure yet. But this is as far as I can go, and um, and and I'm not going to go any further than this. And I I if you look back through history when that happens, when you know when churches are in decline and they're making compromises and and stuff, when there's a certain kind of oppression that occurs, um, there is a clarity of thought that comes to right. mind, you know, and and and. and and it can inspire great boldness and a great return to the the the, uh, the truth, and and I think that happens to individuals too when we when we encounter a, a, a great difficulties. Sometimes there's a clarity um, because the distractions now don't matter, and 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 the question is, well, what do you believe? What do you stand for? And 
what are you willing to do to defend that? How important is it to you? And I think those are questions that increasingly um, we're being asked to ponder. And uh, my hope is that, is that is that there are enough Alaskans out there who are strong and will and will stand for the truth, uh, come what may. I think it. I think there are. I mean, I go back and forth on whether or not we have. Uh, you know, that we have a red state that we live in or a purple state tending towards blue if you look at our Anchorage assembly, but that's not a reflection of the whole state. It's a reflection of, I think, that we we, we don't have the voting uh, that takes place in the assembly on in the, uh, in the fall, which is when it should happen. Um, and the left knows that and they they want to keep it that way. And then there's just very low turnout, low voter turnout. But um but you look at the legislature, um, and it's a mixed bag, uh, certainly when we get a, a decent-sized win for Governor Dunleavy, and then you look at what happened in some of the other um, you know, down-ballot races, it's confusing. But we'll talk about that in a minute, folks. We're going to take our first break with Joel Davidson of the Alaska Watchman. We'll be right back. Jim Minery with Joel Davidson at the Alaska Watchman. If you haven't gone there, please do. Um, I can't um, think of anything else. I mean, if you can subscribe to what we do, we don't send out nearly as much stuff as Joel and Suzanne at Mustry because we're not really a news publication as much as we are a, a policy group. That's kind of a lot of the stuff that we do is behind the scenes, but gosh, it's helpful to have groups um, that are out there just pushing out good, solid truth in the um in the uh in the this you know thing of tubes that Al Gore talked about that's on the internet I mean I'd like to think that we'd have a uh I initially thought that we could get the Alaska Watchman as you did on a on a published or on a um actual hard copy version it's just so expensive and I guess it's outdated I still like a newspaper although I don't get the Anchorage Daily News anymore uh and so I get the Epic Times um, and I can't seem to, that's only weekly and I can't seem to keep up with that even because there's just so much to read and to just get overwhelmed sometimes with all of this info. But I can tell you folks, if you subscribe to the Alaska Watchman, must read Alaska and go to AK family and get our stuff, you'll be pretty up to speed. I mean, uh, in terms of what's going on in the state and, and, and it's, um, it's a little frustrating, but it's also encouraging. And there, there are certainly um, pockets of really good things that are going on all across the state. And but we were mentioning before the break, though, Joel, about uh, are there enough people out there um, who care enough, who want to stand for these essential truths? I think there are. I mean, you know, you can be discouraged by looking at um, what happened with the, the number of people who voted in this state for uh, Lisa Murkowski who has, you know, come out full force in terms of, uh, you know, um, her uh, support of not just abortion, but um, for the kind of policies that are absolutely aligned with the left. She's unapologetic now about it. And that's a hard thing, um, and it's, as, as well as a hard thing to see what happened with uh, Don Young's seat. Although, as we know, he, he became more centrist, if not even leftist, on some of his views. Certainly his staff, that was very public that a lot of his staff maintained um, or, or they, they, they got on board um, with Mary Peltola. Um, and, 
So that was frustrating for a lot of us that, that saw that seat be being captured by ranked choice voting primarily and, and getting rid of the, um, the primaries. Um, you know, it, it's a mixed bag. I tell my friends all the time that are in other states, if they're in a really blue state like uh, Florida or uh, New Jersey, New York, California, they have different expectations because they know they're not going to advance anything legislatively. They're just holding on to, to you know, to by the, the skin of their teeth, trying to stop the worst things from happening. So they don't have any expectations to pass any good policies on a on a conservative, pro-family, pro-life level. And then other states that are just rocking it, Florida and Texas and Arizona up until recently. Um, but we're one of those states where we're just right on the cusp. We keep going back and forth. We still haven't organized as a uh, as an Alaska House um, in in the Alaska House rather, um, and the the Alaska Senate, despite the fact of once again having Republicans in the majority elected, uh, is is a very liberal group now. I mean, you, you, your latest article. In fact, I'd love to maybe dive into that a little bit. You, you have an article on the watchman that says activists to lobby Alaska lawmakers to push abortion LGBT agenda, explicit sex ed in schools. Um, now, you, that article was based on what has been filed already, or it sounds like that's one thing I didn't hear about was some of these um, uh, set or these um, groups that they're having um, or meetings that they're having to mobilize pro-abortion allies across the state. What's that about? I haven't heard about that one, and I'm curious. Yeah, so... Planned Parenthood, which most people know is the number one provider of abortions in Alaska and the country as, a, as the largest business in abortion business. Um, but they also, in recent years, have gotten their hands into pushing uh, like hormone uh, cross-sex um, blockers for, for teens and uh, uh, transgender surgeries and They've gotten into a lot of other things in recent years that have nothing really to do with um, contraception or abortion. But you point out that the Alaska Senate now is controlled by a Democratic majority uh, caucus, nine Democrats, eight eight Republicans, and then there's three um, conservative Republicans that have been um, exiled from the from the from the ruling caucus. Uh, Shelley Hughes and um, Mike Schauer and uh, Robert Meyer from Fairbanks, um, who I think you recently interviewed. Um, but but I think what's happening, and I've been pondering this for a while and trying to figure out how to uh, how to make sense of it all. I'm, I'm, I've got a column or something uh, percolating in my mind about this. But you you look at the Alaska Senate um, and the U.S. House and you know the the the, the U.S. House in D.C. And it's clear that there is there's something going on in the in the Republican Party where there is a movement uh, towards a more conservative Republican uh, identity within the party, and yet there is a, a sort of an old establishment guard that is unwilling to uh, move to uh, the right or move to a more conservative uh, standpoint. And when I say that, I mean it's not that they don't. Uh, the party platform hasn't changed, but there's an unwillingness to sort of get in the arena and get uh, get your hands dirty and um, and fight for some of these conservative issues. And I think that a lot of Republican voters, especially the the base, you know, the the the, the pro life, pro liberty type Republicans that are that might seem to be uh, hard right, 
uh, some might identify them that way. Um, I, I would say they're just conservatives in the party. Uh, that that block is uh, is a bit fed up with um, with what the Republican Party has done, and so there's this so there's a national conflict playing out, but there's also a local conflict playing out, and you see that because uh, I mean Shelley Hughes was the Senate Majority Leader last year. Mike Shower right. is a very prominent um, senator, uh, and these guys now are uh, powerless in the Senate. But to their credit, they held the line, and, and they're going to be a minority of three. Um, and I think my my honest view is that they will be rewarded with strong support on their reelection campaigns if they no if doubt. they if they stay committed that way. Uh, but 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 in a sense, they drew the line, like we were talking about earlier. They drew the line and said, "I'm not going this. I'm not going any further." Uh, and in doing so, I think that they have now established themselves uh, as as the conservatives. And the question is, um, you know, and obviously Shelley Hughes and Mike Shower come from the Matsu, which is the the fastest growing. Actually, it's the only growing area of the state, uh, right. and it's very conservative. It's one of the most conservative areas in the state. And and so for me, that's a little uh, uh, glimmer of light that you know what uh, the most con- the fastest growing area of the state and is the most conservative area of the state, and the yeah. legislators there, outside of David Wilson, uh, who decided to caucus with the Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. They have held the line, and honestly, I think that David Wilson is—he's already had a lot of pressure from deciding to jump ship and go with the Democratic caucus. And I, I, I don't think that he's going to be able to get away from the fact that the Valley has taken notice um, that he basically disempowered the conservatives uh, and, and actually the ones from the Valley, his fellow legislators from the Valley, in, in doing that. Um, but this is another thing, Jim. Um, I, I just recently got a report from Gallup the other day, and it looks at party affiliation across America. And for the first time since the mid-90s, the Republicans have taken over the Democrats in terms of national affiliation. So the Democrats always had a three-point lead. It was still pretty close, but it was a three-point lead in terms of how you affiliate uh, the American voter, how the American voter affiliates. Um, and now, for the first time this year, Republicans, for the first time in you know 15 years almost, there is 45% of the American populace uh, identifies as Republican and 44% identify as Democrat. But if you look at it a little bit closer, the Republicans uh, are increasingly identifying as conservative rather than as moderate or liberal, and the um, Democrats are increasingly identifying as liberal. Uh, more more liberal than they ever have before. And then you have those independents. And the independent number has maintained, it's about 30%. It, it just, you know, or, or right around there. Uh, and it doesn't really change. Um, and, uh, well, no, it's not 30%. It's less than 30%. But, but, but the number has never changed. But the number of, dem- of independents who identify mm-hmm. as um, conservative has slowly been growing, while the number who identify as liberal has slowly been decreasing. So if you look at those national trends, you would say, well, there's more Republicans, and of those Republicans, more identify as conservatives. The, the independents are increasingly <sighs> identifying as conservatives. So I, I don't know that, uh, you know, you, you, you can never tell how, how politics is going to play out from, from cycle to cycle, but uh, there seems to be, on a national level, a movement in the, in, in the conservative direction. And how that's going to come to a head, we saw in the Democratic Party, hard leftists, like AOC and, and, and others have sort of forced out the old guard who weren't willing to go as hard left as them. 
And I don't know if that same kind of reckoning is um, getting ready to play out with the GOP here in Alaska and nationally. I kind of hope that it does. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. There needs to be some kind of a, you know, line of demarcation that says, okay, here we are now. We have made a decision, and I'd like to think we'd have more than three conservatives in the state Senate, but, you know, Looking at that is is hard to is hard to go any other way. Folks, we're with they uh, we're with uh, Joel Davidson of the Watchman. We'll take our uh, our last break here, and we'll be right back after this message. Jim Minnery on. I'm glad you said that. With my friend Joel Davidson at the at the Alaska Watchman, really glad to be chatting. And and please go subscribe if you haven't already. You can be up to speed on all the things that you really need to be up to speed on. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of sports and entertainment, like he said. You can get that other places, um, but in terms of uh, you know having an understanding of how we as citizens of of um earth and also being citizens of heaven uh you know the city um that we're called to um take care of i mean you know scripture is pretty clear about that uh and we're called to uh have an affinity towards the place that we live to be able to take care of it and 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 help it to prosper so that god is glorified so that righteous are in power um, it certainly doesn't seem to be the case uh, in many ways in Alaska, although we were talking about that before the break about this divide and in, in the independence and what's going on with the state. I mean, I, I, I just talked to a friend the other day, a guy I've known for a long time about, you know, the reality that there's no doubt people had to vote, had to have voted for Governor Dunleavy and Mary Peltola. And he said, well, you can count me as one of those guys. Um, and we didn't go into a great conversation about it because it was like, ah, well, let's not go down that route tonight. We're just going to enjoy our meal and not, you know, it just wasn't appropriate. But the reality is that there are a lot of people that are able to separate it. And from their perspective, Mary Potola seems like a good woman. Uh, uh, you know, Dunleavy seems like a, a good guy. They weren't, they couldn't probably articulate their policy differences. Um, even though this is a very educated, um, very smart guy that I'm uh, that I'm describing, but he he really it wasn't it wasn't like the policy differences mattered to him very much, um, and I think that that is an interesting dynamic of the whole political world is that there's a lot of people that just don't have the time or take the time to dive into policy differences. Um, and worldview differences, they just look at the individuals. Um, and from what they are hearing and, and seeing, um, they're, they're more animated by, do they think the person's trustworthy? Do they think the person's not a hypocrite? Do they think that they, you know, and I, I don't know quite how to deal with that. I mean, because in my perspective, I, I've gotten to a place now where I, I don't really care much about the person's individual characteristics, even though I know I'm supposed to, and I do. Um, but I remember, you know, someone, if, you, if you've heard this story about 
Um, you know, you have a drunk and, a, and an adulterer and someone who is absolutely reckless. And that's kind of how you would define these two individuals that are running or they're in public office. Then you have another individual that's absolutely committed to their their wife and is a teetotaler and never have drank in their life, committed to their nation. Which which person do you think that you would vote for? And most people would say, well, probably that that last one. And what you're describing are three the three people you're describing are, uh, are Roosevelt, Churchill, and and uh, Hitler, because Hitler was absolutely committed to his wife, absolutely um, drug and alcohol free, and committed to his country, but he was evil. And the other two people that were the 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 drinking adulterers with uh, you know with harsh language were people who saved Western civilization in many ways, and so. The the point is that, yes, I understand that you have to have an interest in the character individually of the, in, of the person who's running for office. But ultimately, and I think Ben Shapiro is the one who said that, you have to kind of ha- – or you should have some understanding of their political persuasion and what, how they believe that, uh, that, uh, that government should address issues. And once you decide that, then realize that, okay – there's going to be someone, everyone, who will let you down at some level. Um, certainly Donald Trump did that to a lot of conservatives, and I knew people that were never Trumpers. But they now have to look back that on that in retrospect and say he was the most pro-life president we've ever had. Um, and they were never Trumpers because of his background. What's your view on that in terms of um, individual personal uh, characteristics and, and personalities versus policies and how that has played a part in this. Certainly Mary, Mary Poltola, I've said it many times, is is like the, she was the ideal candidate in many ways in terms of her personality and all that stuff. I know people that voted for her just because of that, but what's your take on that? Yeah, well, I, I first off, I don't think we had a Roosevelt and a Churchill um, as our other two options. Um, but and, and what I mean by that is I think that in this last election cycle, um, and I don't want to get into disparaging uh, Sarah Palin or Nick Baggage too much, but I would say this. Both of them had baggage that was serious baggage for conservatives. Um, and I think a lot of people just just decided to uh, either sit this one out or they didn't rank one or two or, or, or the other um, and because they, they, they didn't. They, they were either uh, nervous about baggage and nervous about whether he was truly a conservative or they were put off by Sarah Palin uh, and some of her antics outside of politics and just, you know, the Palin effect. Um, yeah. And th- there wasn't a strong conservative that was appealing to Alaskans who they could trust. I'm not saying maybe Nick Begich would have been a strong conservative, but there was a lot of baggage and people were concerned about how he donated to Democrats and his family history with Democrats. Uh, and then you have Mary Peltola, who was 100% committed to the left. They knew yeah. this was their hero. She's an Alaskan native. She's she's uh, she's has a very winning personality and smile. She comes across very well in debates. And she had she was the ideal candidate for the Democrats. Yes, Republicans did not have an ideal candidate. Um, no. And and by getting to your point about voting based off of someone's values or their um, you know, their commitment to their family and their community and all that. Uh, and they're basically, you know, general, generally being an upright citizen. I, I agree with you. I, I would take a, uh, you know, a drunk and an adulterer <laughs> in their private life 
who is going to do the right thing publicly. They're going to sign the right legislation. They're going to advocate for the right things publicly because ultimately that's what we're electing them to. We're not electing them as our spouse. We're not electing them as our babysitter or whatever or our next-door neighbor. Preacher. We're, yeah, or our preacher. We're electing them to do a certain function in, in American life. And it would, it, be, it would be ideal if you know they were also an upstanding citizen that we could all look up to and our children could admire and aspire to. But... Uh, if that's not in the cards, when you look at the candidates that are out there, then you have to go for the one who you believe will stand the strongest uh, for conservative values uh, and uh, you know, in, in, in the freedoms, religious freedoms and personal freedoms and liberties that we as Americans cherish. And so, yeah, I agree with you, but I also think that we didn't have that clear of a choice up here in the last election cycle. And that's right. just, uh, and, you know, and that's not even getting into, you know, absentee balloting and, and all those sorts of things that we have not been able to, from the legislature standpoint, pass a single a single bill to um, shore up election integrity. We had, I think we had 64 bills last session that had to do had something to do with election integrity. None of them passed. I doubt we'll have anything like that again this year. So that's a whole nother conversation. But if we did, even if we did have a fair playing field and everything was on the up and up, I don't think that conservatives had an actual um, real choice that they felt good about when they went to the ballot. Um, and, and I think that made a difference. Well, it's weird because it took, I would say, because you and I are in this arena, you know, I've thought long and hard about it over the years. And it seems hard for me to even comprehend that someone would say, well, I like that person, so I'm going to vote for him. Um, you know, I, I I can say very clearly, yeah, I might like Mary Peltola. She looks like she might be really a wonderful person. Um, and I might not like someone um, that would do the right thing in terms of how they vote. And so that it seems irrelevant, but I, I can understand the natural tendency that people would have to. It's the easy route to say, OK, I'm not going to really think through how they might make a difference in my life in, in terms of how they vote. I'm just going to say I really feel good about this person. I mean, I, I used to tell that to, I've, I've told that to Bill Walker. I've told that to Kathy Kiesel and some others who have changed their mind or they would say, well, I'm very pro-life uh, personally. And I, you know, my thing was, I don't really care if you're pro-life personally. Yes, I think you should be, but we're electing you um, to make decisions to protect the unborn. Um, and that, so the fact that you tell me, oh, gosh, I'm pro-life, but I could never uh, – I would never want to impose that on someone else, it, it doesn't register with me because we're not, we're not voting for you based on what you believe necessarily, although that, that's important. But we want someone to do the right thing, and that's just harder to, to come across in terms of finding people who are willing to, to do that despite the consequences because there certainly are consequences, and it's tough. But I um, can't believe we're running out of time here, but it is at the end. We have so much to, more to talk about. I, I'd love to have you on you know, a little bit more frequently, Joel, and, and we will. And uh, um, just can't thank you enough for all that you guys do. Uh, we'll, we're in for a ride for another legislative session, so we'll be in touch, I'm sure, as we always are. But um, God bless you and, and, and your beautiful family and uh, Jake and everyone over there at The Watchman. Just thank you again, as always, and uh, keep it up, man. We're, uh, we couldn't be more blessed to have you in this, uh, um, in this great state. All right. Well, thanks, Jim, for having me, and uh, God bless all the work you guys do. You bet. All right, man. Folks, we'll see you next week here on I'm glad you said that.